Yo, 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 what is good, everybody? Welcome back to Mount Draftmore. The core four is in the war room, ready to draft yet again. I am Ben Jammin, and I am joined by Map. What is good? What's good? Dylan. Hello. And Dustin. Hey! We are all back again to bring you another serving of our draft picks for top. What is it today? What's it going to be? What's it going to be? 90s TV shows, specifically live action. There are no animated pieces up in this, but everything is. Everything else is up for action. It's up for draft. Fellas, how you doing, Matt? How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, gentlemen. I'm doing pretty good. I'm eating this delicious bag of all-dressed ruffles in front of me. Yum, yum. And on top of that, I'm just, I don't know. I don't want to stray too far into anything, but I just have been really enjoying the fact of just waking up with a newfound sense of optimism with what's going on in the world it has of late. I feel like we're on the up and up. I'm not going to get into specifics, but man, I've been sleeping good, feeling good. Optimism's off the charts. And that's what's up. The best part of waking up is fighting in your cup. <laughs> there you go. Oh, nice. There you go. So I'm feeling yes. good. That's good. Uh, <laughs> me too. I, I Big D here, Dylan here. I'm also good. Um, but, you know, I just feel like speaking of live action TV, this is like prime time for good television right now. And, you know, I'm in the middle of like WandaVision, which is excellent and Hell yeah. weird. Uh, and we've got The Expanse, which also excellent. Like like the Game of Thrones of space, basically. Um, so I'm, I'm great. I'm great. I love my imagination is just going wild right now. So that's me. Nice. I'm trying to channel my sister. She knows everything about TV. I feel like the normal day for all of us is 24 hours, but she's able to like magically stop time and watch every show known to man. Like she's seen every <laughs> episode of everything. So I need her wisdom and she's not here. Oh my gosh. So I'm I'm gonna struggle through this one, but I feel like I got it. Ninety four club, I won't let you down. That's what's up. <laughs> woo woo. The ninety four club. I was wow. six when this decade ended. Woo. Damn. Same same. Eighty nine <laughs> club in the house right now, and I'm old. <laughs> Let's go. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we need to draft. We're gonna draft this B. And we have a draft order that is unsatisfactory to the person yep. speaking because we're starting to figure out, is the first pick good? Is it bad? Well, <laughs> yours truly is like, damn it, I got the first pick again. Mm -hmm. And that has not been working out for me in terms of getting W's. Y'all don't forget to tell us who you thought won. We care about your opinion. You know, we want to hear from you. That's the whole reason why we do this. We don't like just talking between us four. I can't win enough that way. <laughs> I need you to vote. <laughs> Today's draft order will be me at the top, Dylan going second, Matt rolling third, and Dustin has the wraparound. <sighs> the one time I don't want the wraparound. <laughs> get the wraparound. Ah. This is the rare occasion where we've actually interrupted the going around either clockwise or counterclockwise. Now we're going mm. Chris Corner, you know? Yeah, it's like an hourglass kind of shape. Well, round one. I have the Let's first round pick, and there's debate as to whether there is a McDonald's of the 90s TV shows, and I think there is, but I don't want to pick it, because if I pick it, then I'm not going to get the list that I want, but then again, if I pick this, I still might not get the list that I want, and I don't know what to pick. <laughs> <sighs> That's a dilemma, dude. Dude, this is such a dilemma. I'm very devastated. 
I'm going with Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yep. Nice. Yep. Hey. yep. Hey. I'm not doing what I thought was nice. the McDonald's, but Fresh Prince to me is a better show. See, I would think of that as the McDonald's pick almost. See, and I was thinking, I was re, I knew you would take yeah. it. Yeah. I was like, if it goes to number three, Matt's going to take it, and I'm going to be devastated that I didn't get it. So I have to take Fresh Prince. Will Smith, between his rap career yes. and that show, fire he made it. And Uncle Phil, who didn't love Uncle Phil? Mm-hmm. Even give some love to Carlton, too. Come on. Well, Carlton's dance is forever. The Carlton. Like, yeah, the Carlton. <laughs> yes. It's globally recognized, official dance. Yeah, great show. Good number one. Yeah, yeah James Avery as Phil Banks. Uh, great character. The They had two different actors play Vivian Banks, play Aunt Viv. Oh. The first one was better. They made it pretty seamless, though. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Janet Hubert. She was way better. Daphne was a lot more passive. Hmm. Yeah. Anyways, that's my favorite show. Yeah. That's my favorite show of the 90s. I know there are other hot ones, but Fresh that's Prince. That's a great first pick, though. And Will Smith is still doing shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. out of everyone that was doing shit in the 90s, who's still doing it? Will he Smith yeah. and his kids are doing stuff. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Nice. And I also, the and amount of like uh, doing the amount of affair. um like guests guests uh, like stars that they had on that show was incredible. Like anybody yeah. and everybody made a guest appearance on Fresh Prince. Yeah, like Jazzy Jeff, he was a recurring Dude, character. Ken Griffey Jr. was on, a guest on. They made an episode all about him. Yeah, and they had wow. like Tyra Banks was on it. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm sure there were a lot. Bo Jackson was on. Everybody's Heavy D, on there. Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones was one of the producers. Yeah. Yeah. Great show. All Great right. Pick. That is my first pick. Nice. Dylan, I know what you're going to pick. Go for it. Well, I just uh. want to say I loved I loved uh, Fresh Prince, and I, I watched that growing up a lot. Um, Who doesn't know that theme song? Oh, yeah. It's, like, so, it's, it's one so of the iconic. most iconic sh- songs. Like yeah. Yeah. In West Philadelphia. Born, Born and raised. <laughs> on a playground was where I spent most, most of my, my days. days. Yeah, see. yeah, that's awesome. Uh, the one thing I'll say is like the Scientology aspect of Will Smith and his family is a little strange. But you know what? That's okay. I can look past that. that that's post-Fresh Prince. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that he was Scientologist. Neither yeah. did I. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. Uh, I would fact check that. Oh, hey, go fact check it. It's true. Um uh, my pick is going to be Seinfeld. <sighs> All right. There is a McDonald's of the nineties and this is it. Yeah. This is like the, it's, it's culturally iconic. Yes. Okay. Everyone who has a television or has ever had a television knows who's like what Seinfeld is, right? Yep. It's a show featuring kind of the worst people living oh, yeah. vaguely meaningless lives. And they are, uh, you know, some people say it's a show about nothing, but I would actually say that's a show about people going against the grain of society um, and saying things that they should not say. The, yeah, I'd agree because they actually don't say it's a show about nothing. Like all of them were surprised how far that like carried, like how much that took on, because obviously it's a joke halfway through the series. But when they pitched it, it was not a show about nothing. None of them thought of it as a show about nothing, but that kind of has just lived on. So like, yeah, yeah I would agree wholeheartedly yeah and a couple of funny like running themes in seinfeld george's promotions that dude does nothing to earn a promotion yes but he keeps earning promotions and one time he even quits and then walks back into work and pretends like he never quit the next day or that when shit he, is just funny 
or when he wants to get fired from the New York Yankees because he has a brilliant opportunity with the New York Mets, an even better <laughs> position, and he's desperately trying. He's like, I'm so good at getting fired, but for some reason, this is the time I can't. He's dragging <laughs> the World Series trophy behind his car. It's getting beat up. <laughs> Nothing's working, and it uh-huh. sounds cheesy, but like they sell it in a way that it works. Like yeah. All the characters, like it's funny as it's funny it's <laughs> and it works. It's it's really funny. Uh, other notable moments, J- well, just running theme, like Jerry's, Jerry's actually not that great of a comedian in like the Seinfeld universe. He bombs like every show that he does nationally in the show. Uh, and the only good shows he does, no one actually witnesses. Um, and then the other thing I'll say is like the cast is still pretty relevant. Jerry has uh, getting coffee in, in cars with comedians. Yep. Which is, uh, I enjoy that because I enjoy cars. I enjoy comedy. Um, I think the interviews are pretty good and just like natural. And then Julia Louise Dreyfus, holy shit. Deep. Yep. Wow. Yes. What a powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Seinfeld, great. Also, Larry David. Yeah. <sighs> the man. Dude, I forgot about that. His show, uh, yeah. I forget what, what the fuck is that called? What is that Curb called? Your Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. Yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm is also really funny and obviously spawned. From Seinfeld, if you love Seinfeld, you love Curb. So, yeah, that's my pick. It's all about, like, that awkward, dry humor of, like, everyday interactions that you just see, like, going the exact wrong way you would want them to go. Mm-hmm. There you yeah. go. There so, are a lot of people who like Seinfeld. Yeah. There are a lot of people who don't like Seinfeld because they don't like that type of comedy. True. But, yeah. But that bass line, I can't even do it right. But, I like, have, yeah. I have so much research about this show because, like, yeah, if even if you don't like it, it's groundbreaking, like, to the max. Like, there's a lot of things that we talk about where it's like, oh, yeah, that paved the way for a lot of stuff. This changed the way that sitcoms came out. Through and through, there are people who are like, yeah, it's a little dated in, in a couple ways here, but, like, this paved the way for shows like Arrested Development. It changed the way that storylines mm-hmm. were put together. It changed the way that, like, sitcoms don't always have to be the sentimental, like, cheesy. Like, it changed the game. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, even if you don't mm-hmm. like the show, this is such a significant show out there. And that baseline, that guy composed a new baseline for every single episode. He wow. watched the intro comedy skit that Jerry in the first like four seasons, they switch it up later. But in the first half of that series, it, the opening is Jerry Seinfeld doing a comedy skit. And then they do the baseline intro. The composer would watch the skit, try and read the comedy of that bit and try and feel how long it was, and then do a brand new baseline for it. They're never a repeat. Mm-hmm. It sounds similar, but it's never a repeat. That's amazing. Yes. And thank you, Dustin. I'll say one more thing, and then I'll pass. Uh, like you said, the thing about like uh, TV shows getting sentimental. Seinfeld doesn't get sentimental. When George's yes. white fiance dies from licking the envelopes, sorry, uh, when she, yeah, like... No one's sentimental over that. Uh, George is happy that his wife dies. He's he's like he's it's basically a shoulder shrug because um, he he didn't want to get married, and so it works out for him. And and everyone can have a laugh <laughs> about it, even though it's yes, horrible. It's a she dark di- comedy. She yeah, she dies from licking envelopes, people. So anyway, yeah, yeah, Seinfeld. Larry David had a rule: no hugs, no tears. Like that changed the game. So many sitcoms are cheesy as hell. You're like laughing, and then all of a sudden, in the last minute, it's like, let's have a big hug. Cue the piano music. Oh my gosh. And we learned something about family values. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the vibe of the show for 19 out of 21 minutes. So why change it in the last two? 
this changed the game. Yeah. Damn it. Yep. People can live their boring lives or their sad lives and look forward to Seinfeld at the end of the day to have a laugh. All right. Well, <laughs> yep. Matt, it's your turn. That was like a, that was like, well, we know, who, du- well, we know yeah. who Dustin is voting for. So, <laughs> exactly. So it's like, doesn't matter what the team is at this point. Like his, his vote is lost. All right. Well, my vote, uh, my pick for round one pick, uh, my first round pick is going to be full house. Ooh. I know that not not everybody loves Full House, and I understand that. I mean, the, on on their face value, the characters are pretty silly. I mean, you got you know Danny Tanner, you got Uncle Jesse, you got Joey, who's like the friend who's not related to the family that lives in the basement. <laughs> He's got like a struggling comedic like sitcom career in his own right. He obviously you got you got the twins, and then you got the other sisters. Uh, that all seemingly live in this very ex- like spacious house in San Francisco, which I don't quite understand on its own right. But nevertheless, Full House is like synonymous with like '90s sitcom television. Um, again, John Stamos. I mean, talk about just longevity. Everybody loves John Stamos. Not everybody loves anybody else from that show, and not everybody else from that show has actually had any substantial careers. In fact. Uh, I mean, Aunt Becky is going to jail for the whole college admission scandal. So that that that's problematic in its own right. But nevertheless, Full House, again, good-hearted, life lesson, family sitcom rooted in the 90s. It's iconic on so many different levels. The characters, the cast, the setting, uh, everything that they encounter. Uh, I mean, the Olsen twins, all, all everything and anything is in Full House. And Personally, I'm not the biggest Full House fan, but I nevertheless I recognize the fact that it is a great '90s live action show. So that's gonna be my pick in the third spot of the first round. Great pick, yeah. Thank you. All right, there's a lot going on in my world. I won't explain it. There's things going wrong right now in the universe, but I will go with my wraparound. I'm stuck with the draft order, but hey, let's go. Let's do it. I'm gonna pick. Law and Order, mm. SBU. It is the longest remaining scripted primetime American TV series that has aired continuously since the 1990s. Big, big genre. People love it. I mean, hey, like, <laughs> there's a certain category of TV. There's a certain, like, vibe that you go to watch. Like, if I'm going to watch, like, some drama, some really, really, like, you know, engaging story, some something that could, you know, win Emmys, all that kind of stuff, that's good. They're kind of few and far between, but there's a whole category of stuff where you just want to binge. It's easy to watch. You got your snacks. You're in this, like, it's not too dark, but it's a little dark. It's like, ooh, I'm into some crime stuff right now that's not going <laughs> to get too gory, and I'm going to, like, sleep with my eyes wide open. No, no, no. It's law and order. That's my pick. Dun, dun. <laughs> nice pick, dude. Well, you also, I mean, you're about to, you're about to take us deep. You also Ooga. you got more stuff to share. Yeah. Well, I knew Seinfeld was going to go in the first round. So when I prepared this, I knew that it was going to be a little bit of repetitive information. But now I realize how many points that Dylan mentioned where I was like, oh, yeah, I looked that up, too. Oh, yeah, I looked that up, too. It's going to be more Seinfeld information. So I'm sorry <laughs> if you all are tired of this. But that's what I had looked up. And because it was my favorite show from this era, once again, I was six when this decade ended and it still made a lasting impact on me. I had all the DVDs. I watched them continuously, even as a little kid, even though a lot of the jokes went over my head, 
There's all this stuff about adult themes. I was like, oh, I don't know, but Kramer's funny. He's ridiculous. But, yeah, it's an iconic show. Definitely, I would say, show the 90s. Um, there's a couple interesting points about it. I know you all mentioned Curb Your Enthusiasm with Larry David. Uh, as we all know, George Costanza, Costanza is based on Larry David um, and Jason Alexander, who played George Costanza, after reading some of the early scripts, went up to Larry David and was like, this is absurd. No one would actually do this in real life. Are you kidding me? And he criticized the script endlessly. And then Larry David was like, what are you talking about? I just did this last week. It's based on me, which is an awkward thing to tell your boss or to tell the person who's making the show and writing a lot of it. Um, but yeah, there's just like a lot of interesting factoids about it. Jason Alexander and Larry David, interesting relationship there. Um, even though they had that first little blip, uh, Jason Alexander felt bold enough. He's only, he doesn't show up in one episode, only one episode. And apparently he was pissed because he was scared. He was going to lose his job. He's like, Oh crap. If they can do an episode without me, Oh no. So then he told Larry David, like, don't you ever do that again in like really forceful language. And was like, I need to be in every episode, which feels intense. Like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, like almost didn't make the show. The, the pilot had a different female lead, um, who was supposed to be a waitress. And apparently for the first five years of the show, Julia Louise Dreyfus did not really mind. She's a comedic, um, you know, powerhouse. Apparently after that five years though, it always bothered her. She never has watched the pilot. She's really like some, somehow feeling a type of way about that. Wow. I don't know why, but yeah, I could go on and on more about Seinfeld, but since our first round was pretty heavily packed with that, I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> cool, which means we'll take it into the second round. Round two. Dustin, you're, it's still you. Wrap around. Okay, so I am going to go with my next pick, In Living Color. Emmy-winning nice. sketch comedy, featured hilarious parodies, dynamic dance segments, memorable recurring skits, famous like Saturday Night Live, uh, but launching pad for a lot of its cast members. Jim Carrey was in it, Jamie Foxx. Uh, yeah, it's just a famous show, so I'm going to go with that for the wraparound. Nice. I All always right. watched that instead of SNL growing up. It was really funny. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, back around to me. I'm going to take a pick that I would like to take later on, but I'm worried that it's going to get taken, so I'm going to take it right now because I know it's on the board. I'm going to go with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Nice. OG. Nice. All right. I'm talking about the Green Ranger, the Red Ranger, the Pink Ranger, the Yellow Ranger, the Blue Ranger, and the Black Ranger. All right. Talk about Tommy, Billy, Jason, Trini, Zach, Kimberly. All right. Power Rangers is still going today. It's, it survived so many different iterations and versions of itself. But this is the most iconic version of it because it's the original, right? The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers with their dinosaur-themed Megazords is synonymous with kids' live-action shows. Power Rangers, everybody knows Power Rangers. Even if, if you love it or you hate it, you know Power Rangers is part of 90s television lore, right? You cannot think about 90s TV without the Power Rangers. It was so groundbreaking as like a live action like actually action adventure kids tv show that really dealt with some like heavy stuff as like these are all high schoolers that are going through like intergalactic battles with like all sorts of weird <laughs> monsters and whatnot yeah like zordon helping them out they got all sorts alfalfa like everything 
is going on, or alpha, I should say, um, is aye, going aye, on. Aye, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is going on in the show. I love it to death. I was such a big Power Rangers fan. I still am today. Um, and I was just worried it was going to get taken. So I have to take it. That's my second pick. It's one of the most profitable toy franchises of all time. Wow. Yeah. Wait, hey, quick. Which ranger were you? I was, uh, I was Green Ranger. Of course you were. (laughs) (laughs) No, you got to go with Jason. like, I'm the cool ranger. (laughs) (laughs) No, you got to go with, uh, the Red Ranger, Jason with With the the gold gold chest piece. We have talked about this because I agree. Jason with, with Tommy's shoulder pads. Bad beast. So that's my pick. Yeah. That's cool. I, I'm the same. Yeah. Yeah. I get that white ranger shit out of here. Yeah. He ain't the white ranger. He's a no. green ranger. He was kind of an edgelord too. I don't know. Uh, I just I just remember the green ranger. He's like, that I food. love his high kicks. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy as an actor was great. I just love the flute for the green ranger. The flute, the flute was cool. I'm a sucker for flutes. Yeah. I was all about the blue ranger. Billy. Yeah. That smart geek. Billy. Dude, Andy oh, stuck yeah. around. In the game. Oh, yeah. I have the Power Ranger game for the Super Nintendo. And when Billy punches, he covers his head with one hand and extends out just like this. <laughs> Bow! Don't want no concussions. <laughs> yeah, smart. I love it. Billy, honestly, is the smartest one of the crew. Dude. So, yeah. And the actor, I wonder what he did because he was around for several seasons after all the other actors dipped. So well, I didn't watch past the Mighty Morphin because then the it got good one. I was like, get that ninja jazz out of here. <laughs> I don't want that. Nice. Oh, uh, Dylan, it's your turn. Uh, I'm going with the X-Files for my second round pick. Um, classic true crime mixed with sci-fi and sometimes fantasy. Holy moly. What a show. FBI agents Mulder and Scully are amazing characters. Um, initially, Scully is very much a professional and skeptic, whereas Mulder has quite the tinfoil hat. And it's just fun watching them interact and develop a really close-knit relationship, um, probably you know because they have these totally different personalities. Um, each episode is really fun. I love the Monsters of the Week, and I love the overall plot because it's, I mean, come on. Who doesn't love a good conspiracy theory? It's all about the government covering up the truth about alien existence, all right? Um, I don't know. The truth's out there, y'all. I want to believe. Have you watched every episode? Not every episode. I have not. So the episodes, they're not all alien conspiracy people. If you've never watched X-Files, don't let that turn you off. They're also monster episodes, supernatural episodes, technology episodes, which are interesting in the 90s because it's like, oh, whoa, there's like this artificial intelligence in this hotel running the elevators, killing people. It's like, whoa, hold mm-hmm. up. A little crazy. But yeah, because they there are multiple X-Files movies, and in the first X-Files movie, it ties into the alien canon within the show. But the second movie is more of a monster-based movie, and fans were disappointed with that because they wanted that 2012 resolution because that ties into the plot a little. Sorry, spoiler alert, but <laughs> watch that if you haven't watched it. It's been like 20 years. Yeah, still good. Still holds up as a really cool show. Yeah, I love the X-Files. Damn, I really wanted that as my next pick because I like the X-Files. But it's okay because I'll go in another direction. I'm going to go with Star Trek Next Generation. Oh! Nice. That is, We're talking about shows that defined... Things, well, that show helped redefine Star Trek. And it gave people another captain, Captain Picard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's always that debate, Captain Kirk or Captain Picard. Who, what do you, who are you picking, Dylan? Dude, as an avid, I've read Star Trek novels. This is how into Star Trek I am. I've watched most of the TV shows, not every episode, but, you know, I'm like, 
into them. Uh, I have to say they're both important for different times. Kirk is an, is an, an impulsive strategic genius. He will make mistakes, but he'll do them in a way that is very much so planned and on purpose that will benefit him later on. Picard is a powerhouse of a captain. He inspires loyalty amongst his crew and that powerhouse nature can get him like can get him. Oh God. Star Trek. I, I'm going to let you talk about it because well, no, you can talk about it. Cause I know that you're, the you're whole, a lot more. The whole show is about growth. Were you going to talk about this? It's about growth, right? It's about data becoming, learning to become a human. See, honestly, I wanted to, I thought you would take Star Trek and I would get X-Files because I wanted to talk about X-Files, but I, I was like, okay, I guess we're going to swap them so you can talk about Star Trek because I know you know a lot about it. Yeah, it's it's just great. I mean, Data, right? He's an android. He's learning to become human. Wesley, he's a kid on the Starship Enterprise, learning to become an adolescent, uh, leading into an adult. Um, Worf, he's balancing the thread between his Klingon identity and his human identity. The whole show explores the human psyche and also like different philosophical elements. Um, it's really just about like learning what it means to be a human. Right. And I love that. I love that because that what is what makes it relatable to so many people. Wait. Some, some people might look at star Trek and go, Oh, it's just a show about exploring in space. Right. No. But also, it's a show about exploring in space, y'all. Yeah. Who doesn't love space? Matt talks about space race all the time. I know yeah. Matt loves some space. I love space. Yeah. <laughs> space. Nice pick, dude. Thank yeah, you. Good pick. That was strong. Well, we'll use that as a segue into halftime. And uh, for halftime today, we're going back to the lounge. Oof. Going to be chilling with Dylan. Dylan. What you got for us today? Let me lay it down for you. So, <clears throat> I'm going to talk about uh, 90s television as kind of a transitional point for, I don't know, humanity, for television in general. Um, I guess you could say that about any decade, but this is a decade I'm focusing on because that's what we're talking about. So, in transitioning from the 80s to the 90s, television took a different focus. The, the 80s focused heavily on, I mean, let's be real, like, uh, like busting drug, right? With like Miami Vice, it, the tough guy aesthetic with A-Team, Knight Rider, Buck Rogers, and MacGyver. And yeah, there was some sci-fi su superhero fantasy stuff in there, but it also felt kind of like Uncanny Valley. Like they almost didn't take it like for real, like the Hulk show, um, for instance. Uh, but we also, you know, we had standard family situational comedies such as Family Ties, Different Strokes and Growing Pains, um, but as we transition in the 90s, we see television become more edgy and more focused on younger people. Uh, this is largely because we have Gen Xers coming into adulthood during this time, uh, determining the Nielsen ratings and also older millennials as well starting to watch TV. Yeah. Um, Gen X is commonly known as the invisible generation or the latchkey kid generation. A whole generation of kids raised kind of Lord of the Flies style, gone unnoticed by their parents, you know, younger baby boomers. Um we can see these generations represented in shows that showcase the realities of growing into adulthood from adolescence, such as Felicity, for example, or maybe Boy Meets World, right? We also see the real young people in shows like Road Rules and The Real World on MTV, right? For the first time, you're actually seeing like young people living their lives from not from the perspective of their parents, but 
like just in front of the camera, which is groundbreaking. And you get to see how shitty people are because, yeah. of course, <laughs> they don't cast like all great folks. They're like, hey, you like to party and mm-hmm. slack off? Come on our show. <laughs> no, they want people who are going to start drama. Um, but the 90s weren't just about making a generation heard. They were also about making others heard as well. Shows like, uh, well, this is more getting into cartoons, but like The Simpsons, Married with Children, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and Roseanne, right? These all showcase, uh, I mean, like Fresh Prince, that's showing the black experience, right? In really, I think, ways that perhaps weren't shown as vividly in other TV shows before that. Um uh, working class families, right? The Simpsons, Married with Children, uh, Roseanne, right? I identify heavily with that Roseanne look because that's what my family kind of looks like de- depending on the time period, right? Um, don't forget the 90s saw the advent and rise of reality television. I kind of talked about that already. Suddenly television wasn't afraid to tackle issues such as like underage drug abuse, the awkwardness of puberty, what it's like to be a working class family, uh, being young and having sex for the first time or sexual harassment um we get serious efforts at creating sci-fi television like star trek the next generation x files uh twin peaks we also get strong female leads such (laughs) guess the time started on you my bad (laughs) (laughs) uh such as buffy and groundbreaking sitcoms uh i've already mentioned right um and hey there were flaws in the in 90s television all right um it was experimental uh, but it paved the way for shows we have today, right? Um, so I think I think one thing I want to talk about really quickly is something that TV had largely been silent on leading up to the 90s was the representation, uh, representation of gay people um, or LGBT community. Um, so at the beginning of the 90s, you basically have, if you look at like in the Golden Girls, Right. How gay people are represented. It's almost as like having to deal with a problem. Right. Like being gay is a problem. But as you transition further into the 90s, uh, Frasier um, has one of an interesting depiction of being gay that's more realistic and just like normal at the beginning of the 90s. Married with Children also has a instance of this. All right. These are singular instances. Um, Spin City as well mid nineties and the Simpsons and South park, they begin to normalize, um, kind of gay characters that aren't stereotypes, but also, well, maybe not South park, but also more importantly, they transition the problem of being gay from the gay person to the homophobe, right? The person who's homophobic, which is really, really important. Um, so eventually by the late nineties, after, um, like all these TV shows that kind of like break that ground, what you start to see are more realistic gay characters uh, becoming normalized and represented in television. So I see the 90s as a pivotal benchmark in history of broadcasting where diverse groups of people gained representation in a tangible, more realistic way that paved the way for like the 2000s and 2010s Um, and to like kind of where we're at now. Um, so while some people might look back on these TV shows and go, oh, that's problematic, I see it as in the context of the time, it's progressive, and they're trying something new um, for the context. So, uh, yeah, that's 90s television. That's my deep dive. Nice. nice. Very nice. cool. Very well done, sir. Really quickly, let's recap the teams on Team Benjamin. 
We've got the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and Star Trek Next Generation. Dylan's got Seinfeld and the X-Files. Maddie Ice has got Full House and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And Dustin, with the flip back, has got Law and Order, SVU, and In Living Color. Round three. It's time for us to get into round three, and now I feel like I have no choice but to pick a show that I swore that I wouldn't pick. (laughs) (laughs) But it's on the board, and I feel like it's... I don't actually care for it, but a lot of people really love this show. I know my mom watches the show. I know my wife watches the show. I know a lot of people watch the show. I'm talking about Friends. Mm-hmm. Talking about iconic shows of the 90s, Friends was one of those shows. Went 10 seasons, people weren't ready for it to go away. The only people who were ready for it to go away were the cast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one of the like one of the highest paid casts of all time. Like By the end, they were all making dough. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Because they were like, all right ready to move on, and the fans were like, no! <laughs> fans would go crazy for a Friends movie right now. They've been clamoring for it for years. That would actually be kind of dope. I mean, they do Sex in the City movies. Why not Friends? Because, yeah, I don't know. Jennifer Aniston is living that cush life. She's busy. She's not aging. Yeah, Matt LeBlanc is busy. Yeah. I don't think David Schwimmer is busy. I yep. mean, he does stuff. He does stuff. I mean, he was in the People versus OJ. He played uh, Robert Kardashian. Yeah, but okay. it's not about okay. what they do now. It's about what they did in that show and how much people love that show. Yeah, yeah. I just remember that theme song. It's like exactly, Matt. It's kind of like you were saying with Full House. I didn't really care for Friends, but I. It's like you recognize the great respect exactly. Yeah. So. Third round, I feel like friends in the third round too. That's, that's value. That's, that's crazy. Value. That that's like a top tier pick, and it's going in the third, dude. Because how much was it bought for? Because uh, a streaming service did purchase the rights for it to stream it. How much? Let's let's check that out. Yeah, that's interesting. It's got to be worth a decent amount because again, it's it is one of those ones that's synonymous with '90s live action shows. Like yeah. people, it it has longevity even to this day. Look up how much Friends cost, and we should look up how much Seinfeld was bought for. Well, and you see, isn't you, isn't Seinfeld on a streaming service? For so, sure, yeah. The show's rights were purchased by NBC for an estimated five hundred million dollars, and it will pe- appear on the Peacock streaming service, which launches in April in twenty twenty one. Everybody's got their streaming service nowadays, don't they? Wow, that's striking. Well, I, just just think about it damn. as like the Friends kind of lays the foundation for like a almost kind of like a buddy com rom com like roommate type of tv show like friends lays the foundation for things like how i met your mother you know like that's kind of the playbook that they follow is like you can you have a bunch of like young adults like people in their mid to early 20s late 20s living together there's a bunch of like romantic triangles and weird stuff that happens you name it yeah wait how much did you say dude friends was check this out no how much did you say friends was 500 million but dude in seinfeld was 130 that's crazy. For a deal with so Amazon. Friends is like a knockoff. Initially. Sorry. No, I know it is. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's, yeah. Initially, yeah. Netflix. It was, if we're talking about like how many more people it like pulled in, a lot. It is, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, initially, Netflix acquired the streaming rights in 2015 for $100 million. Um, so I don't know what this is with like that $500 million deal, but friends went up in value. Well, and the office went for 500 million as well. Wow. So it's like, damn, people put friends on the level of the office. It's striking that like Seinfeld didn't have that kind of deal. 
But like, and I'm not, I'm not, I wasn't ever disregarding Seinfeld. Like, I like Seinfeld. My wife doesn't personally like Seinfeld. And that's fine. It's that, it's that type of humor. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the impact of it, definitely. There's no arguing that. It's just that type of comedy. It's, Friends is just easier. It's, and yeah. that's maybe that's why I don't really care for it. Mm-hmm. They don't get any really like super deep things. Yeah. Like, no. I think living single is a lot better than friends. And there's drama. But I just in think, it too. The, I just think the scope of influence and how many people would say, oh, friends is higher on that list. Yeah. Yo, that apartment though, that uh, Rachel and Monica live in, <laughs> why? Dude, why? Wow. But that's across all shows. Like, even in living single, the apartment they have is crazy Dude, baller and but, it's like whoa yeah. in, in in new york as well it's like uh where are you getting this money from like yeah. that kitchen they have like Ugh. that kitchen puts the kitchen in friends to shame yeah it is a baller ass kitchen mm-hmm. but joey and uh i forget the other guy's name joey and uh, kitchen rant uh his roommate <laughs> chandler their their apartment is like i don't know the equivalent of a studio with an extra bedroom so yeah all yeah. right so on to uh, Big D. What you got? Yep. I'm going, this is easy for me. I'm going Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is my friend Buffy. It's nice to meet you, Buffy. I'm nice to meet you. Yeah. Buffy, I love Buffy. It ran from 1997 to 2003, so it's a perfect kind of like, it's a transitional show for sure, but definitely um, based on the 1992 movie created by Joss Whedon. Uh, Buffy, for you don't know, for those who don't know, epic female protagonist chosen by fate to battle evil, which usually takes the form of vampires, but also other creatures as well. Um, but Buffy isn't just a badass like fe- woman. She's not just Xena, right? She's fully human, and the show isn't afraid to be honest about what it's like to be a girl growing into a woman, um, including like all the awkwardness that accompanies that. It flips the narrative completely. Um, it's fun and like the villains and characters are fun and interesting and complex. Uh, especially like Angel, who gets his own spinoff eventually. The fight scenes are super fun. Um, and the, the way the episodes were done were really creative as well, right? There's one episode that's a musical. There's a whole episode where they don't use dialogue. They don't talk the entire episode. Um, there is, and then one of the best episodes, this is a spoiler, but it's where Buffy comes home and her mom is dead and she has to deal with that. And it's like the show is often cheesy in a good way, and had great dialogue and character development and was funny, like laugh out loud funny. But it also had these moments that you had to deal with alongside Buffy. These shocking moments, right, that just happen in life. Um, and so, you know, Buffy had to deal with, like, calling the coroner, for example. Um, so, Yikes, real shit. Yeah, some real shit, right? Not like just, oh, my mom died. It's like, oh, you now have to deal with all the shit involved with that. So... Um, and it's led to a lot of tie-in products, video games, comics, other TV shows, novels. Uh, the lore is rich and like goes through centuries in the show. Comic-Con booths. Yeah, seriously. Um, this is such an epic show. And maybe it didn't win like a whole bunch of awards, but you know what? It was great. It was a great show. So, uh, Buffy. Buffy it is. Awesome. Matt. You All right, it. I'm glad that uh, one of my picks survived to, or this round at this pick. I'm going to go with one of those shows that uh, it's pretty unique in that it tracks, it follows along closely with the story of one particular like kid as he transitions into adulthood uh, from from kid from boyhood into like being a teenager into adulthood, and that's actually pretty rare even to these days to follow a single show that will fo- that will stick with one character. Casting them at a young age and following all the way up until like they're getting married and 
trying to figure out all the life's challenges. So I'm going to go with Boy Meets World. Hey, Mr. Feeney. Yeah, exactly. Feeney. 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 Come on, George Feeney. Don't act like you don't know me. All right. Yep. Shout out to Eric Matthews. He was uh, the but, best. Yeah, exactly. Talking I mean, about playing with squirrels. There mm-hmm. are so many iconic characters within Boy Meets World. They're talking about Corey Matthews on its own. Sean Hunter, I mean... Sean Hunter as a character is so complex. He has such a rough and tumbled backstory when you're talking about his dad's a deadbeat living in the trailer park and his mom's absent and he goes through all these different changing relationships. He wants to drop out of school and that's just a supporting character. That's not even the main character. Corey Matthews, kind of more or less the privileged, sheltered, middle class, like white kid, he's the main character and yet his best friend is arguably even more compelling than he is mm-hmm. uh, and there's just a wide variety of characters and talk about Topanga Feeney with the, the the classic old school teacher who's got nothing but life lessons alongside content learning Eric who's seemingly the golden boy become becomes kind of a so good. <laughs> <laughs> Eric who who is the golden boy but he seemingly becomes kind of a clown because he he fails to live up to expectations the parents are struggling with raising these two boys who have varying life paths I mean Boy Meets World is it's it, it's a beautiful show because mm-hmm. it does follow Corey and all the kind of the the, the tipsy turvy topsy turvy turns that he takes throughout his life, starting when he's in elementary school and going all the way till he marries Topanga and is is, is in college and trying to figure all this out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I got a lot to say about Boy Meets World, but I I love that show. It's one of my favorites of all time, and I think it's just a '90s classic. So that's my pick. That's when great. This boy Meets World. Great soundtrack, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Boy it- Meets World. <laughs> It's like uh, Wonder Years, but for the 90s. Yeah, yeah, it is. Nice. Dustin, you're next. All right, this one goes out to my dad. This is a pick for you. I'm going with Northern Exposure. Oh, I love that show. Yes. Yes, Yes, definitely. So it ran from 1990 to 95, a total of 110 episodes, and yet it won... 57 award nominations during its five-year one, won 27 of them, including 1992 Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Drama Series, two additional Primetime Emmy Awards, uh, Creative Arts, two Golden Globes. It just goes on and on. I actually love this show. Um, It kind of starts off with this New York doctor, fish out of water, going up to Alaska. Funny enough, it's not filmed in Alaska. No, no, no. It's filmed in Washington State. Mm -hmm. What? You can go to some of those uh, places, such as the cafe in, uh, it's out of Cleelum. It's like, what's that? It's a, uh, starts with an R. It's, um, oh, it's not actually Cleelum. It's a town right next to it, but it's pretty much Cleelum. I, kn- I know exactly what you're talking about. I just can't think of the name. Oh, yeah. That's going to bother me. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like literally, it's one of those towns where, like, when you're driving, like, oh, I'm in Raymond. Now I'm in South Bend. Like, they're bordering one another. They could be called the same town, but I don't know why they're not. But yeah, it's filmed in Washington. Um, has a lot of really like unique, funny characters, kind of like what Dylan was saying, some unique things for the time. I think if we looked back on it now, we'd say like they could have gone a couple steps further, but they had a couple indigenous characters that were really funny, well-developed, um, really well-rounded. Uh, they had a unique um, kind of ensemble cast with a lot of really like cool storylines. And yeah, it's a, it's a classic. I think it gets overlooked a lot, but Northern Exposure, if you watch it, it still holds up. It's so good. Like my so my mentor, the guy who like one of my favorite teachers in high school who got me into the teaching profession, he showed that all the time. And like 
it's so corny, but like it's so good. Yes, I love that show. That that that's a sleeper pick because it, yes. it, it wasn't on for very long. Yeah, it only lasted a couple of seasons, and I took it off. But if you think about it, 110 episodes and 57 award nominations, I know like you can get a nominated for a lot of things in one year, but like that's about half of the episodes. So half good. like the awards. Like, come on, that's like a lot for a very short running show. Definitely made an impact on a lot of people. Yeah, I would agree. Great nice. pick. Great yeah, pick. that is a pretty good pick. Nice. I haven't seen it, so I'll have to check it out when I get it's home. Worth, yeah. It's worth a watch. Me neither. Yeah. It's good. Uh, you know what time it is. We about to get into some cosmic connections as everyone dances around the war room. Uh, uh, let's go. And today's connections are those shows in the 90s that really kept chugging. They kept going. They kept making an impact. From shows like Law and Order that started it off, and then at the end of the decade, as they're starting to know, kind of hit the end of their stride, they hand off to SVU, taking over late 90s and then running into the 2000s. So you got the original Law and Order in the 90s. You got SVU in the 2000s. And I think SVU, is it still going? It's still going. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, shows like Survivor, end of the decade, Still chugging. Mm-hmm. All-Stars, little modifications to the gameplay, to the dynamic, but it's still a great show. That's a long time ago. That's yeah. a long-ass time. Like, 90s, like, I feel like since we all kind of came from this era, some of us were born in the 90s. Some of us had a lot of our early years in the 90s. It always seems like it was just yesterday. But here we are. It's like 30 years ago. Right. Like a solid, yeah. like, that's a lot of time. Also, another, <laughs> another, uh, Throwback to one of my picks, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Power Rangers as a franchise is on its 27th season. Yeah, it's wow. crazy. They're, wow. The latest one that comes out in that came well actually came out last February is Power Rangers Beast Morphers. Probably I don't even know. It's probably not very good because again, nothing compares to the original. But 27 seasons of Power Rangers. My goodness, mm-hmm. <laughs> longevity. I mean, yes. look at the Simpsons. Simpsons starts in the late 80s, and it's mm-hmm. still going. It's owned yep. by Disney at this point. Wow. Yeah, it's come a long ways. I think then there's other ones, right, that were kind of spinoffs that lasted a while. So we've got Cheers, which spun off into Frasier, and Frasier lasted until 2004. Yeah, it's crazy. So and and Frasier is one of those. I don't know. It's just it's 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 kind of a fun sitcom to watch. There's not too much drama. It's just like entertaining. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, even out. even shows that started back then and when they were going, people were like, oh, like South Park. No one thought South Park was going to go <laughs> for 23 <laughs> seasons and be Seriously. going. They have two video games, like two console games that are immensely popular. A lot of work mm-hmm. goes into them, and creating those games changed the dynamic of the show in terms of how they serialized the storyline. So. I mean, just so many things have changed, but so many shows have made their impact and continued on. Yeah, I mean, even Friends, like your pick there, you had uh, the little spin-off series of Joey for a while. Yeah, yeah. not as big, near not nearly as big, but still, you you see just like the the lineage of those types of shows again. Roommates just hanging out, doing crazy <laughs> stuff. Well, and then they make a resurgence through like meme culture yeah. and like the coffee shop and yep. Smelly oh, yeah. Cat or is that what it is? Yep. Smelly, Smelly Cat. Cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then like, I don't know, they make a resurgence in terms of like the type of show, right? So I think of New Girl as kind of like the millennial version of Friends in mm. some ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. And then you have like 
the 2000s because ER goes through the 90s and then uh-huh. the 2000s you have like Scrubs, which is yep. a lot more sitcom-y, but it plays yep. on this, okay, we can do this in different areas. I mean, yeah. most of that show happens in a hospital. and Well, that yeah, like ER just spawning all... ER is like the, the granddaddy, like the OG medical drama that spawns all of them because people are like, wait a minute, this is intriguing. Yeah. Like what, what goes mm-hmm. on? Is there a lot of drama in hospitals? Hell yeah. Let's mm-hmm. talk about it. Let's see about it. Like Grey's Anatomy or yeah, all those like Chicago med, every yeah. single hospital show. You can thank ER for that. Yeah, yeah, Grey's Anatomy like steps into the void that ER created once it went off the air. That and House, I would say. Yeah, exactly. House was exactly. House, huge. House was edgy. Yo, Fox had all of the like pushy shows. It was, ooh, we got, we have In Living Color. We have The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Didn't, did they have Roseanne in the beginning? Ooh, I don't know. I'll look it up. Probably not. They had King of the Hill, though. Yeah, they did have King of the Hill. I love King of the Hill. <laughs> Dude, King of the Hill is awesome. Not, I love it. Not live <laughs> not action. Draft, we'll have to talk about that yes, next time. It's so mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's, yep. well, that's about it. I just mm-hmm. wanted to give a little shout out to those shows that Ooh. continue on. Oh, what? <laughs> oh, ABC owned Roseanne, Okay. ABC owned Roseanne. Clarification. Thank you, brother. All right. Well, let's get into that fourth round. Round four. Dustin, you need to wrap up your your team. You better wrap it up. <laughs> all right. All right. I will wrap it up. And like I said, I was distracted uh, earlier in the beginning, and I had no rhyme or reason to where I was going with this. Some of these shows I've watched. Some I have not. Uh, six-year-old at the end of the decade. So I'm going to go with my heart. It might be controversial, but oh well. And I'm going to go with it. Twin Peaks. I'm going to do it because nice. I actually watched the show with my partner. We love it. Also has some shots in Washington. Uh, David Lynch, it, it shot more like a movie than a TV series. And a lot of people were in love and spawned a huge cult following. I have not seen the more recent uh, you know, follow-up to that that came out. What was that, just like a year ago? looking it up right now they had the new season but yeah haven't seen that yet i'm just going with the original just with the first two years um kind of that spooky ooky kooky and crazy (laughs) plot line where you're like ooh, following this murder all these weird twists the show gets downright weird sometimes but i like it i like that one scene where they're just like having the dream um and it's like red curtains and all those kind of things and I forget they're like witch suit, blah 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 blah. I forget I forget exactly what's going on, but weird show. I like it. It just goes for it. There's just parts of that show that's ridiculous. It just goes. <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna watch a nineties show from right now, like I want something where I'm both gonna enjoy it and appreciate parts of it as le- legitimately really good and also crack up. I'm gonna laugh so hard at some of these scenes of being like, <laughs> what was going on then? I wanna like Laugh from a 2021 perspective looking back at some 90s shows. But that's just me. So Twin Peaks. Nice. Twin Peaks. Maddie Ice, you're up. All right. I'm going to go with a... uh, It's kind of like an interesting take on a sketch comedy show. I'm going to go with all that. All that. All that. All right. All that is... It's like it's almost like if you took SNL and you bottled it down into like kids and like young adults and them trying to like d- 
do their own version of sketch comedies. There's so many iconic things. I mean, like Amanda Bynes comes out of all that. Keenan and Kel comes out of all that. I mean, Keenan Thompson is still on SNL to this day. There is so much just in terms of content that comes out of all that as like almost kind of like a, a teens, young adults, like sketch appropriate sketch comedy show um, that's like SNL, but like toned down a little bit. It was like very much. It was like SNL in living color for kids. Exactly. It was on Nickelodeon. It was, it was by kids for kids. And I again, I think that's like a cool concept that I don't think quite has been replicated since then. It was very groundbreaking in that like let's give the keys to the car of comedy over to the kids and let them run with it. And they ran with it. It was iconic. All that soundtrack banging. All right. The cast amazing. And it's had longevity even to this day. Um, Very iconic sketches with like dancing lobsters, you name it comes out of all that. So it it has a a special place in terms of this like sketch comedy shows in which the nineties is known for, but this was so singularly unique because again, it was by kids for kids. Um, I think it's just, I think it's, it's survived well. So uh, there is no Keenan and Kel without all of that. So there you go. Fourth nice. round pick. That's great. All right. Um, I'm going to jump into mine. I'm actually taking a left turn from where I thought I was going to go. I, I just, I was having a real hard time because Ben went with Star Trek The Next Generation. And in my mind, I was like, well, should I take Deep Space Nine? Because in its own right, that is an equally good show that's completely different. It's like zooming in, right? And then I thought, well, should I go like, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark and go Nickelodeon? Um, or should I go ER? There's so many different routes, but I'm actually taking a left turn. I'm going Pete and Pete um, from Nickelodeon, run, ran 1993 to 1996. This is a deep cut um, because it was only three seasons, but it was such a well-written like kids or like adolescent show Um, just showing the weirdness, the strangeness of what it is like to grow up from a child's or like an adolescent's point of view that I think it's hard for shows to capture because you have shows like Lizzie McGuire or um, those types of shows that like, yeah, the kid is a main protagonist, but doesn't show the oddity of, of just growing up. And the way and the awkwardness and the way that Pete and Pete absolutely did. And it also showcases just how strange adults really are from the perspective of kids and adolescents. And I have to hand it to that show. I mean, it was iconic um, in so many ways uh, and really emblematic of like Nickelodeon at that time. So Pete and Pete. Uh, One of my memories, two of my memories are like this one episode that's centered around like these kids, their treat after practice was like this slushy thing that they all hated. But this one business dude that like was almost mythic, he would just show up to their practice just to eat that slushy thing that they had hmm. at practice. And he carried it away at the end of the episode, like patting it and putting a seatbelt on it. And then another thing from it is like Pete and Pete's mom had a metal plate in her head. And, and there was some weird stuff going on with the metal plate in her head. Um, so, uh, yeah. What a what a strange TV show. I love Pete and Pete. The 90s were a strange time, y'all. Truth. <laughs> yes. Truth to that. And I have the final pick. I'm going to take it in a different direction. We've talked about shows that have had a lasting effect on other shows. That's good. But what's better than having a lasting effect on shows, but also having a lasting effect on people? Mm. People. Impacting people. 
I'm going to go with a show that terrified the hell out of me when I was a child, but then I grew to appreciate, and now as an adult, I absolutely love. I'm talking about Unsolved Mysteries. Ooh. Mm. That theme song for <laughs> Unsolved Mysteries. You've never yes. seen it, Matt? No, I have seen it. That was a, <laughs> mm, that was a good pick. That, that show? <laughs> yeah. First off, that helped spawn the like live crime shows where uh-huh. like we're taking cold cases. We're going to report on them. We're going to do little dramatiz- dramatizations. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Like little acting spoofs. And a lot of actors actually got their career through little skits on Unsolved Mysteries. But Robert <laughs> Stack's super serious Hollywood hotshot talk, talking about missing people. Talking about people who were put up for adoption and they're just looking for their real mothers and then the cool part about that show is it was in syndication like so they had new episodes from 87 to 2002 but they kept syndicating episodes more on other stations and they would run updates on the cases as they got solved and they had a pretty high success rate in like solving cases with that original series it was like above 60 percent for like missing persons or for like adoptions um and then it depended on other like categories but unsolved mysteries it was so successful they brought it back for netflix boy that's so cool yeah my personal favorite episodes are the alien episodes because it's like damn you have a whole town of people (laughs) talking about aliens abducting kids and a bunch of kids being like oh yeah it was sketch and then you're like how do you cover that up and they're not trying to cover up they're just like i'm not trying to be ostracized because i saw the (laughs) aliens i just don't really want to talk about it (laughs) Yeah, everyone around the table's looking at me crazy, so I guess we will move on to the making of our cases. Making of our cases. Dustin's, you get to make your case first. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because I had the last pick. Oh, yep, my you were the rapper. Golly gee willikers. You were the oh, rapper, bruh. Oh, my gosh. This is like the theme of the draft being unprepared, but let's go for it. Let's go. <laughs> okay, first up, I had Law & Order. Big genre. Lots of people love it. Definitely spawned a very, very long series. Uh, next up, I had In Living Color. So, so, so important. Um, tackled race, social issues through humor, something that SNL sometimes tries, but in its history, it often lacked the number of people of color on their staff to really succeed. So this was a show that brought that diversity and really tackled real issues in the 90s uh, in a way that was really, really fresh. Still has a huge impact today. Then I went with Northern Exposure, fantastic fantastic if you haven't seen it won lots of awards also had lots of really really cool indigenous characters that were starting to really become developed and well-rounded which once again the 90s while it seems like it was just yesterday it was hella long ago so yeah today i would expect a lot more from these characters but at the time really really awesome to see that representation and then twin peaks a cult classic something that brought a lot of David Lynch's weird, crazy style, some beautiful cinematography to a show that you were like, whoa, this is not just like some random sitcom with four trained cameras in the same spot. This is really dynamic. It's entertaining. It's engaging. And it has a long, long legacy. Shaboom. Shaboom with 10 (laughs) seconds left. We'll just wrap it. Good job. Whoa. Uh, Who's next? Oh, Matt, you are next. Are you ready? I am. Queued up. All right. So, to recap my team, the first round pick, I had Full House, again, synonymous with 90s sitcom television. Dana Tanner, The Smoke Show, that's John Stamos as Uncle Jesse. All right, Jesse and the Rippers? I mean, come on now. 
among a whole host of characters, talk about Uncle Joey, Aunt Becky, although she's got legal problems now. Uh, there's a whole host of things with Full House. It's just synonymous 90s sitcom TV. Next round pick, I went on to the classic OG Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, right? You love it. You know it. That's a 90s kid staple, all right? It's still going to this day in various iterations, but you got to start with the best of all time, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Next pick, I went on to Boy Meets World. My pick is the best coming-of-age sitcom. You're talking about the trajectory of a single character from boyhood to adulthood and all the complicated things that comes along the way. And in fact, arguably the the supporting characters are more compelling than the actual main character in Corey Matthews. So that pick itself, incredible value in third round. And then to close this out, all that, I mean, a, a sketch comedy show uh, by kids, for kids, that spawns cult classics like Keenan and Kel. I get Amanda Bynes is at her own unique journey, but nevertheless, she was on top of the world because of all that. All right, so there you go. That's my that's my uh, make the case. Go go Power Rangers! Exactly. Nice, <laughs> Dylan. You ready? Oh yeah. All right. So here's my team. I had Seinfeld, which is an amazing first round. I mean, it ha- it's like the McDonald's dilemma, right? I have Seinfeld, uh, one of the most influential sitcoms of all time. Hilarious show. Uh, I've got X Files. All right, classic sci-fi kind of uh re- like crime drama. Um, also highly character driven as well. Um, I've got Buffy, right? Strong female protagonist who is not like a caricature, right? She is a real person, uh, living with real issues. And also it's a great, just fun show to watch. That's written in a very creative way with unique episodes, fun all the way through great lore. And finally I've got Pete and Pete. What is more emblematic of like, uh, I don't know, like kids in the early 90s, Nickelodeon in the early 90s, Pete and Pete shows the awkward kind of just fun and of being a kid and also how strange adults look from their perspective, right? If you want, go go on YouTube. You can find every episode of Pete and Pete on YouTube. Check it out. It's a trip. Um, it's a trip like in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, those are my picks. Vote for me, y'all. Woo-woo. Very well done. And now it is my turn. Y'all, I have the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Star Trek, Next Generation, Friends, and Unsolved Mysteries. Fresh Prince, what more can be said? Will Smith at his finest, right? With his rap career. Ooh, making great music and making great comedy. You know you love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Star Trek, Next Generation. It's made to bring in that next generation of fans, y'all. It's giving you your own captain. It's giving you a new experience. And like, I couldn't say anything better than what Dylan said because he was a true fan. So take it from him. Star Trek, Next Generation. Friends, iconic. People waited for the week to end to watch Friends. It was water cooler show. Everybody watched it. Everybody talked about it. It's significant. It cost hundreds of millions of dollars for a streaming service to get the rights of it. That's just because people love that rewatchability. Iconic. And Unsolved Mysteries. I gave you a little bit of that real right? You got to have a little bit of the real world in your shows. If each one of our teams was a network, which one are you going to turn on with the most consistent shows? You can pop it on my station and just get everything in one little station. And you're going to get the updates on the local arsonists, the human combustion cases that might be happening in the world, aliens visiting us. Who knows? 
but that's that's my team. I don't have anything mean to say about other teams. 90 shows, Nostalgia Lane. Mm. And I'm not going to get a beat because I already turned it off because I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) But ultimately, it comes down to you. You will need to decide. Hit up the social media platforms. At Draftmore on Twitter. Uh, uh, At Mountain Draftmore on Instagram. Sorry, you got skipped. (laughs) That is M-O-U-N-T Draftmore on Instagram. Mount Draftmore podcast uh, on Facebook. There you go. But it's our turn to decide what's going on. Of course, I'm talking about it is our turn to pick a winner. Studio winner. You know how it goes. Three, two, one, countdown. And then we are going to point. I got to step back so that I can be dramatic with my hand <laughs> motions. Three, two, one, point. Okay, so let's see. Yeah, let's go. Nice. God. Maddie Ice and Dustin pointing at me. Nope, Dylan pointing at me. Dustin's pointing <laughs> at Dylan, Dylan yeah. and I was pointing at Matt. So I will start this off, and I will say, Matt, Nostalgia Lane for me on yours. Hell yeah. Nostalgia Lane heavy. I did like Full House as a child. I did, and it grew into a love of Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen, who I used to watch on their little, like, movies they on the side. They had their own unique journey. Pizza yeah. time, pizza. They chopped and screwed that little bit of pizza time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give me pizza. <laughs> so hard. Mighty Morphin yes. Power Rangers had all the toys, had the bed Everything. sheets, had the curtains, had my mom paint my bedroom. It was like my birthday for the first grade. I remember I came home because my parents were divorced, but I came home to my mom's and there was a little sign on my door and I opened the sign and my bedroom was all Power Rangered out. I was so stoked. Matt and I have already talked about this. I was the Red Ranger for Halloween. My friend Krista <laughs> was the Green Ranger and her costume was homemade, so it was on some cosplay sh- Nice. No, not nice. She had the gold shoulder pads, and I was so jealous. (laughs) I'm still jealous to this day. Those gold shoulder pads on the Red Ranger were dope. Boy Meets World, I watched that with my mom. Classic. Mr. Feeny, the growth of all the characters. Yeah, and all that. Nickelodeon classic, Nickelodeon staple. I didn't watch Pete and Pete. You might get my wife with that one, Um, but all that. So, Matt, you got mine. Dustin, I'll shoot it over to you. Yeah, well, I went with Dylan. Obviously, he had Seinfeld, so that's a big one. But I'll explain <laughs> the other ones, too. X-Files was on my list. That was awesome. Buffy definitely has a cult following. Not as much with the last pick, but I can't really underestimate like or understate how much Seinfeld had an influence on me and also just shows. Like I know I mentioned the facts, but like I even got sidetracked with my deep dive because there's too much to talk about this show. Like It changed the way that sitcoms are storytelling. Like, instead of just having plot A and plot B, and there's two different storylines that might kind of coalesce at the end, they're having these multiple different storylines with multiple characters that are all coming together in a much more well-crafted, written style. Something like Arrested Development, where they have, at sometimes nine different characters having nine things go on that are all coalescing, it's too formulaic back in the day. It changed the way that sitcoms are made. Like, when I see stuff like... um. Man, what's that one science one that's so dumb, in my opinion? That one that's like... Oh, Big Bang Theory? Yes. You watch Big Bang Theory? It's so formulaic. Sorry. That's a hot take. But I hate watching that show. I've watched two episodes, and I'm like, this is dumb. The jokes are dumb. It's formulaic. Yeah, Seinfeld, at times it has a a laugh track. But 
This was the first sitcom that went offset in a major way, like constantly going out into the city for its filming locations, changed the way that the stories were in, changed the way of like what kind of vibe you're going for. Like I said, no hugs, no tears. Like it was the show of the nineties. Like in, in my, in my sense, like for what it did longevity wise, plus being just a good show, of course you got my vote. Nice. I'm taking the spiritual W, not the real W. <laughs> and that's the one that counts. <laughs> Whatever helps you sleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not a tally mark. What, big, big D, what's your, uh, what's your justification here? I had to go with Ben. I mean, like I friends, I can't deny its cultural potence. Um, but I, I wasn't a big friend, friends fan. Cause they got a little, I don't know cheesy with their like the one moment they have a laugh we're all laughing and the next moment someone fucking dies or whatever i don't know i can't deal with that like yeah that's too that's confusing leave that out of there but like unsolved mysteries uh i watch that all the time next generation again i'm a huge trekkie and then fresh prince of bel-air i was watching that all the time that's why i had to go with ben um matt had a great had great picks um and so did Dustin. Like, I can't deny that. Uh, it's just like Ben had a, a great combination. Thank you, brother. Excellent. Uh, my justification, I think that everybody had at least one blue chip pick. And I, like, I think the first round kind of checked all those boxes. Like, everybody had those high-quality picks. I think it just came down to where Dustin and Dylan kind of went into, like, more niche cult classics. And I acknowledge that there are a lot of cult classics, and I think you guys covered them. But the problem was that those are not synonymous with like 90s badass baller TV shows that span the test of time. And I think that's where our Cosmic Wizard King over here checked that box. Because like Fresh Prince and Friends, that's what sets it apart right there. Is that like you guys had blue chip prospects and then you kind of went into like more like the, the unique spin zone of 90s TV, which has its own audience, but it's not widespread in like the best of the best. So it comes down to really the Fresh Prince and Friends of just being a head and shoulders above the rest. Dylan, there you go. Dylan, do you know what network Star Trek Next Generation was on? Uh, I want to say CBS, but I'll check. Because I know CBS shows the new Star Trek. I think CBS. I think it's always been on CBS. And think about like how many sci-fi shows actually make it, or science fiction shows make it on those big networks. It's so few and far between. Oh yeah, it was NBC. Rare. Wait. I mean, you have you have X Files, and you've got Star Trek, which are both will qualify as sci-fi, and Twin Peaks too. But that's more of like kind of like a drama murder mystery. Does it have yeah. sci-fi elements to it? I mean, kind of. Yeah, like the I've sci-fi is it. more like the fantasy realm. Yeah, okay. It's like soft sci-fi. It just gets weird. That's the thing. Yeah, hmm. David Lynch. Well. I have been dubbed the studio winner for this, but ultimately it comes down to you. You make the decision. Let us know on the social medias. Give us some stuff to read. We want to read your comments, your posts, your suggestions for future topics, all of that jazz. Hit us up on the socials one more time. We'll run through them for you so that you remember. That's on Twitter, at DraftMore. Facebook, Mount DraftMore Podcast. Instagram, at Mount DraftMore, M-O-U-N-T. Mount Draftmore. And also make sure to, you know, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five-star review. 
Only five stars, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> the reviews make a difference. We hope to see you here next time. Peace. Quick fact checks for you. Turns out Will and Jada Smith are not Scientologists. And also, I got one wrong for Unsolved Mysteries. I said they solve like 60% of cases. That's not actually the case. Um, According to Unsolved Mysteries themselves, of the more than 1,300 mysteries profiled over their original 230 episodes, half of the cases featuring wanted fugitives had been solved. Um, More than 100 families had been reunited with lost loved ones. And seven individuals who were wrongly convicted of crimes were later exonerated and released. So those are all the fact checks from this episode, and that's all I got for you. Be safe out there. Peace. (laughs) 